Welcome to Practical Christian Living. There's a time when, when a planet is born and there's a time when a planet dies. Just like there's a time when a man is born and a man dies. When God created Adam, he didn't create him a day old. He created him as an adult. And if you were to ask a scientist, just putting Adam in front of him, how old is this man? The scientist would say, well, he looks 25 to me. And you would say, uh-uh, he's a day old. Gotcha. But the scientist would say, you're crazy because he doesn't believe in creation. He's looking at how old Adam is when he's created. As Christians, we believe a lot of what we believe by faith. Hebrews chapter 11 says, we believe that God created the heavens and the earth by faith. Well, if we truly believe that, then we live with the incredible hope and encouragement that our God is bigger than anything we might be facing, any struggle or any trial that comes our way. With part two of our opening teaching in Hebrews chapter 11, here's Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary, Tucson. Do you believe that God created you? Then you have faith. And we have to believe it by faith. There's no way for me to prove that there is a God and there's no way for me to prove that God created the heavens and the earth. And so I admit to you that we believe that by faith. Now, some of you here don't believe that the, the world was created by God. You believe that the world was created by a big bang. All I'm going to ask of you, you can believe whatever you want to believe. I'm not here to make you believe one thing over another thing. All I'm asking you to do is be honest. When someone says, well, I believe that the world was created by a Big Bang and we have evidence of that, we have proof of that. No, you don't. Because no one was there. And all your evidence is because you say that you found, they, they found residual radiation from, a, from an ancient explosion. How do you know that that residual radiation isn't there from the creation? How much energy did it take for God to create the universe? And how do you know that that residual radiation is there from that rather than some Big Bang? And you already have to have matter for the Big Bang to work. In other words, if you believe in the Big Bang, you believe that everything that is here, the ground, the earth, the rocks, what's in your flesh, everything had already existed. And that it began to compress. And as gravity took hold, everything, everything in the universe, all the planets, all the stars, all the universes, all of that matter began to compress. And that it compressed to something that was infinitely smaller than a dot from a pencil on a piece of paper. All the matter of the universe. And then with it all being that close, it suddenly exploded. And it was instantaneous. It didn't explode and go boom and go throughout the universe. It exploded, boom, all over the universe at the same time. That's what you believe about the Big Bang Theory. Now, the thing about that is, where did the stuff come from that was compressed? You say, well, uh, it just was there all of a sudden. Really? You believe that there was nothing and then there was stuff. I believe that God has always existed. You say, well, I believe that, that the material for the earth always existed. Well, okay, then just admit to me it's by faith because you have no proof. You can't scientifically prove that something came out of nothing. You can't scientifically prove that everything has always existed. So you have as much faith as I do. In fact, I think you got more because I think it takes more faith to believe that something came out of nothing. There was nothing, boom, there was something. <laughs> Tell me when you've seen that happen. It takes more faith to believe that. I also think the same thing is true about evolution. 
I think it takes more faith to believe evolution than it does to believe that God created everything. First of all, you've got to consider the complexity that we have just of, of us, much less the universe, the, the earth. If the earth didn't have a magnetic field, you wouldn't have life on it. Life could have never have so-called evolved, okay? If it was closer to the sun or further away from the sun, it couldn't have happened. If we didn't have a moon around it, it couldn't happen. If the earth wasn't even all the way around, the topography of the earth, if it was uneven, we would have spun out of control and flown out of the universe or moved closer or farther away. There's all of these combinations that had to happen that make the earth absolutely perfect for life to be able to exist here. And then a scientist says, I can prove evolution. Our evolution is a proven fact. And whenever I hear that, I always think, or I'll ask if someone says that to me, then, then tell me, tell me your proof. I want to hear your proof. And they go, well, I can't tell you the proof. <laughs> Why can't you tell me the proof? Because you're not smart enough. Now, they don't say you're not smart enough. They say it's too complicated. It takes too long. I really wouldn't be able. You might not be able to grasp it and understand it. Now, granted, I am not the sharpest spoon in the drawer. <laughs> okay. I realize I'm not even in the knife category, all right? I'm not the sharpest knife. I'm not the sharpest spoon in the drawer, all right? And I'm just talking strictly intelligence now, okay? I'm just being really honest, all right? There are people with a lot higher IQ than what I have. There are people that have a perfect photographic or eidetic memory. They just get it and they're, they're out there. So I understand there are a lot of people that can understand a whole lot more than me. All I got to do is sit in a math class and I realize I'm dumb. I'm as dumb as a rock. I don't understand this at all. But if you are so sharp, if you are one of the sharpest knives and you have proved to yourself evolution, then you should be sharp enough to explain it to a spoon, right? You should use your smartness to be able to explain to someone who doesn't get it. I'll tell you what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for scientists. I'm not talking about creation scientists, which there are a lot of them out there. I'm thankful for scientists who are not creationists, who are honest about evolution, because there's a few of them who say there is no proof for evolution. And evolution as it has been taught cannot be true. If you want to read something on it, there's a book by an author by the name of Behe who wrote Darwin's Black Box. And he explains the problems with evolution and the lack of proof for it. There's another book called Evolution, A Theory in Crisis. Wasn't written by a Christian. Wasn't written by a creationist. It was written by a scientist who was honestly saying, listen, I've heard these guys claiming there's proof for evolution and I have never seen it. And I'm thankful for honest men who will do that. When it comes to evolution, first of all, the fossil record doesn't back it up. When Darwin wrote Origin of Species, he said, by the way, it was Origin of Species for the human races. In other words, Darwin believed that certain races had moved further down the evolutionary line than others. Now that title, secondary title, has been taken off of the book. And they don't talk about the fact that Darwin was racist and that he believed that, that the Europeans had gone further down the evolutionary path than others. That was his thinking, okay? And it's there. All you got to do is do a little research to find out it was true. Hitler actually used the origin of species to make his point that Jews were inferior to Europeans, okay? Now, where was I going with all of this? Now that I've gone on my little tangent against Darwin. I'm completely, see, I'm telling you, I'm sharp as a spoon. I'm telling you. 
Fossils. That's where I was. Were you guys saying that? Were you saying fossils? All right. So the fossil record, Darwin said in his Origin of Species that if the fossil record doesn't back it up, then I'm wrong. And the fossil record doesn't back it up. We had a, uh, a debate between Dr. Gish, who is a biologist, an acclaimed biologist, and we wanted him to debate somebody from the U of A. And uh, we couldn't get anybody to do it. No one would receive it. So we took out an ad in the back of the Wildcat and we told that. You know, we can't get somebody, a professor from U of A to debate our creationist. And we challenge any professor to step up and do it. So we had a professor that did it. We gathered together in, the, uh, in McHale Center. We had a bunch of students that were there and a bunch of people from the church. And we had this debate between Dr. Gish and, and this professor. He made a mistake right out of the chute. I'm talking about the professor. One of the first things that he said is, let's not take the fossil record. In his intro, Let's not talk about the fossil record. Well, Dr. Gish got up and said, I understand why he wants to not talk about the fossil record because it speaks against evolution. When you look at the fossil record, everything comes on the scene all of a sudden in the Cretaceous period. There is no evolution. There's no starting from one small little non-complex cell turning into something else. It all of a sudden complexity, boom, comes on the scene, which supports creation. It doesn't support evolution. And so evolutionists say, well, you've got to understand that the, the ability to make fossils, the conditions that make fossils don't always exist. So there's times when conditions are made and fossils are made. And then the conditions return and fossils are made. Then the conditions return and fossils are made, which is the reason that we don't have these transitionary positions. However, if you're going to say that, and then they got to connect that with what they call punctionary evolution, which is that evolution doesn't happen slowly. Evolution happens fast. You know, an elephant has a, a horse for a baby. Boom, boom, it happened. Or it happened within a few generations. And they're talking hundreds of thousands of years instead of millions, okay? Which it should take. At the rate of evolution being observed by us, it should take a lot longer for evolution to take place. So they had to come up with this punctuated equilibrium or punctuated evolution that it happens punctuated. Bam, it happens. And that equated with the conditions not always being right for there to be fossils causes us to not have found not one transitionary fossil. There's not one, including the bird reptile thing that they say is a transitionary creature because you have to be able to prove where it came from and where it went. Otherwise, it could be its own. When you find something that has, you know, a reptile supposedly that had feathers, you have to prove where it came from and where it went for it to be a transition. And there's none of that. Not one. They haven't found one cat dog. I realize that it's a cartoon, but in the fossil record, they didn't find one transition. In fact, you've seen the poster when we were kids. Remember the poster of the ape? There's a little more human than a little more human than a little more human, and finally it's human all the way, right? I saw a t-shirt not long ago where the human turns around and says, stop following me. <laughs> now, that poster that was up in my grade school and junior high school science classes is all a lie. Every man that was listed there proved to be false. There was the Piltdown man. That was a fake. Somebody faked it. A head of a human and a jawbone of a orangutan. There was one that was listed there that they had found monkeys that were eaten by humans and humans, the bone had gotten mixed, bones had gotten mixed, and they end up making their man. There's another one where they, it was just a, a piece of a cap skull that they found that they built an entire man out of. 
So they are asking you to believe, trust in them to take a piece of a cap from a skull and make a monkey out of it and say, literally, and say, you need to trust in that. You say, well, haven't they found a transitionary? Wasn't Lucy a transition? You have the National Geographic at home that has Lucy on it, the claim that they'd found the missing link. Go read the article. The first thing about Lucy that you're going to discover is that she was supposed to be a young adult that was 18 inches tall. That's like two feet, okay? That's, that's 18 inches. That's about a foot. That's like 18 inches, maybe longer, okay? So it was, and it had a tail. And it was a lemur. By all scientific evidences, it falls into the lemur classification. Did you know that? That they now don't believe we came from monkeys, but we came from lemurs. <laughs> now here's the thing. It had slightly different ways in which the hips worked. And so they said that was the first steps to walking upright. But how do you know it wasn't a lemur that became extinct? You don't have anything in the transition. So once again, if you believe that we came from a monkey-like creature, you don't believe that we came from monkeys because monkeys came from the same ancestor that we came from, okay? I'm just going to be things I've learned over the years not to say. Don't ever say we came from monkeys because you don't understand that we don't believe we came from monkeys. We believe that we came from a common ancestor. Okay. You believe that we, us and monkeys came from a common ancestor that was a monkey. Okay? You don't believe the common ancestor was a human, right? You believe that the ancestor of the monkey and the humans were monkeys. So, I, anyway. Anyway. Um, then you have greater faith than me. Because it takes more faith to believe we came from monkeys than that God created the heavens and the earth. Now, let's just talk about one more thing and then we'll move on. And that is complexity. The, the life is far too complex to have evolved by the age of the earth. They've been able to date the earth in several different ways. And um, people will ask me, how old do you think the earth is? I acquiesce the point, And here's why. There's a time when, when a planet is born and there's a time when a planet dies. Just like there's a time when a man is born and a man dies. When God created Adam, he didn't create him a day old. He created him as an adult. And if you were to ask a scientist, just putting Adam in front of him, how old is this man? The scientist would say, well, he looks 25 to me. And you would say, uh-uh, he's a day old. Gotcha. But the scientist would say, you're crazy because he doesn't believe in creation. He's looking at how old Adam is when he's created. So God created the world ready to take on man. And if God created it with age in it, then I don't want to get in a big argument about age because the scientist has seen what God meant him to see in that. So here's the thing. Here's the thought. Life is too complicated to have evolved based upon how old the earth is. They say the earth is, what, 4 billion years old? And you can't have life evolve in that period of time. It's too complex. This is something else that Darwin knew. If the cell was very complex, he knew that there wasn't enough time to evolve. And so he had said, if the cell is complex, then we've got problems. Well, they got problems because the cell is extremely complex. One of the smartest men alive, Stephen Hawking, right? One of the smartest men alive says that he believes that we are too complex to have evolved on the earth for the time that the earth is here. Does that mean, and some of you might look at, what has he got, that series called Something Design, right? The name slips my mind right now, but he's got a thing about design. And so you think, wow, he believes in God. He's talking about design. If you have design, you have to have a designer. But if you watch the program, he believes that aliens brought the DNA to the earth. 
So his designer is E.T. <laughs> so again, tell me, if the smartest people among us go, evolution couldn't have happened on earth, it needed help, then what takes more faith? To believe that God created the earth or to believe that we came from aliens? Now, you know, by the way, that I say it, what I believe, right? I could say it in the exact same way, but you know what I'm saying. And so all I'm asking, if you're here today and you're a scientist and you're listening to me and maybe I said something that wasn't scientifically accurate and you're angry and waiting to ambush me afterwards, okay, I understand that. All I'm asking for, for you is honesty. Just be honest. But we'll be honest. We believe by faith that God created the heavens and the earth. And that faith becomes the substance of things that we, that we hope for and the evidence of things we haven't seen. Just say that you believe it by faith. Just say that you have faith as well because you weren't there and you didn't see it. And you've got honest men who will tell, honest scientists who will say that you don't have the proof, even though you may want to claim that you do. And so verse three again, by faith, we understand that the worlds were formed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And then we have two people that are listed, the first two in the hall of faith. One of them has to do with worship. The other one has to do with walking with God, a relationship with God. By faith, we need to worship. It's not just a matter of showing up. It's not just a matter of bringing offerings. It's a matter of having the right heart by faith. And by faith, we need to get to know God. Again, we can't get to know him by just trying to learn about God. Jesus said to the scribes and Pharisees, you study the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life, but these are they that speak of me. The first one is Abel, verse four. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it, he being dead still speaks. Well, Abel was the first one who was killed and he was killed by his brother Cain. They both brought sacrifices to God. This murder, the first murder, was over a desire to worship. Abel brought an animal to sacrifice. Cain brought the fruit of his hands, those that he had done in his field, and he brought them to God. Now, some have used this as a way to make a point between our works being dead, the work of our hands being brought to God, apart from the sacrifice of the lamb, doesn't mean anything. And that's a good point. We are not saved by the work that we do, by the work of our hands. We're saved by the blood of the lamb. And any work that comes out of that is fruit and proof that we have been saved by the blood of the lamb. However, I don't know that that's why it was a better sacrifice. God said to Cain, if you do right, wouldn't your sacrifice be accepted? He didn't say, had you brought the right sacrifice, wouldn't your sacrifice be accepted? He said, if you do right, the do right that he could have done was to believe, was to have faith. He didn't come by faith. And so God rejected Cain's sacrifice and accepted Abel's sacrifice. And Abel received eternal life. Abel became righteous by the sacrifice that he made so that being righteous is not about going to church. You may have come to church this morning, but if you don't wanna live for God, if you don't have faith, if you aren't trusting God for the future that God has for you, then you are not saved because going to church can't save you right? Works can't save you. It's got to be by faith. And so we learned through Abel that we have to please God in worship by faith. And then verse five, Enoch. 
By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. Enoch is, is a guy who never died. It says in Genesis that he went out for a walk with God and never came back. He got out there in his walk and God said, come up here. There's only two men in the Bible that never died. You know who the other one was? Enoch and Elijah. These are the two guys that didn't die. And Enoch had a relationship with God. It was walking close with God that God took him. Now, Enoch is the father of Methuselah. Methuselah dies in the year of the flood. And Enoch, I believe, becomes a type of the church and the rapture of the church. Just as Enoch was taken up into heaven directly, there will be a group of people before the tribulation period. Paul said, behold, I tell you a mystery. We are not all going to sleep, but some of us will be transformed like Enoch in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. This corruptible will put on incorruptible. This mortal will put on immortality. And so Enoch becomes, I believe, an example of that. So it says, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was found because God had taken him and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. You might say, aha, that's not faith, that's works. Enoch pleased God, and so God took him. Yeah, but read the next verse. Aha, too soon. Verse six, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Enoch pleased God and was taken, but it was by faith that he was taken. You and I enter into a relationship with God, again, not based upon our works, not what we do with poor people or what we might do with those who are struggling. As Christians, we take care of them. As Christians, we reach out to them. But that's a fruit of our faith. It's not the, it's not the beginning of our faith. And so by, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do you believe that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him? And the word diligent is an interesting word. It not only means diligent as someone who diligently pours into something. Like you might go and do your homework for class and you're diligent to get it done. It means diligent for a long time. It, not, it has a sense of endurance that's in it. That you are diligent to do it, but you are diligently doing it forever. It's the person that continues to do what God called him to do. And God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And by this, we learn that we walk by faith, faith in our worship, faith in our relationship with God. And isn't that the heart of Christianity? Jesus said, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. For I will say to them, away from me, for I never knew you. We want to be like Enoch and develop that close relationship with God. Stand with me, would you? And let's pray together. I'm a minute and six seconds late. All right, I'm excited about it. Father, we want to thank you again for your word. We thank you for the continued love that you have for us. And Lord, we want to be men and women that walk by faith. And thank you that we have an example of a father of faith who just didn't, wasn't this shining example of faith, but he is our father of faith because he did it, even though he struggled. Lord, we admit our struggles and we admit our weaknesses. And we know in that we don't shock you. You know our weaknesses. You know that we're made of dust. And yet you honor our faith. And so, Lord, we come to you. We want to live for you. And we want to see the mountains removed. We want to see you do the awesome things in our lives that you have planned. We realize that 
those that live by faith are rare. But Lord, let us be the men and women who live by faith, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. We pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, Calvary Tucson is open and holding physical services while being mindful of social distancing guidelines. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service online at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living Radio has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org, where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or have questions about salvation? Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson and Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living Sunday mornings at 8.30 on KGUN 9 TV. May we walk worthy while we wait for the return of our Savior. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.